You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to a second Garibaldi Red of the week as we look forward to a massive game for Ever- uh, well, both Everton and Nottingham Forest at the City Ground on Sunday. So we're going to preview that for the next 25 minutes or so. It's like to be joined first of all by Michael Temple. Temps, how are you doing? Afternoon, Matt. I think I'm quite hopeful, actually. I've spoke to our resident Toffee fan here, Jake Ball, and he's far more nervous than I am. So we'll see how Connor's feeling. Yes. Well, you teed up our second guest there, the Liverpool Echoes Everton writer, Connor O'Neill. Connor, thanks for joining us. You well? Very well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. No, no problem. No problem. Very grateful to you. Uh, Come to you first, Connor. In fact, we'll do about 10 minutes with Connor and then we'll let him go and then we'll pick up the slack with Temps. I don't want to keep Connor too long because he's a busy man. How are you feeling about the game, Connor? Forest fans are absolutely terrified. I don't know how Everton fans are feeling. What, what, what's it what's it gauging like up there? I think they're more concerned, worried, and probably some a little bit terrified after Saturday's defeat to Aston Villa Goodison. I think there was a bit of a feeling of if Everton could have beat Aston Villa, you know, that would have been three home wins on the bounce under Sean Dyche since he come in. That probably would have enabled to get a point at the city ground on Sunday and I think fans would have been quite content with, with kind of seven points from the Leeds, Aston Villa and, and Nottingham Forest fixtures. I think because they got beat in the way in the manner in which they got beat, I think it puts an extra emphasis on this being a huge game on Saturday for, for both clubs because I think there's a feeling amongst Everton fans that if they can beat Nottingham Forest, it kind of drags Forest back into the dogfight a little bit more than what they are at the minute. Um, and I think there's an, the opposite feeling is if Everton get beat, then that's a relegation where we'll be lost to again. And you think of, you know, since Christmas alone, they've lost to Wolves, Southampton, West Ham, and potentially now it could be, could be Nottingham Forest. So they, they, they've thrown a lot of points away against relegation rivals. So I think there's a the feeling's one of almost nervousness and, and probably a little bit of fear because, like I say, I think if they would have been asking, well, I think there'd be a bit more hope. And many fans would have just accepted the point and, and thought that's a good point on the road because they were beaten on Saturday against Aston Villa. The results around them went against them the way they did. And obviously, they, they ended up back in the relegation zone. I think there's, yeah, there's a bit of fear around the half Merseyside as things stand. I think there's a bit of a feeling like, I mean, I haven't seen much of Everton since Dyche went in, but it kind of feels like, oh, he's done an amazing job. He's transformed the club and they've given him a much better chance of staying up now. Is that the case? Has much changed or is it still a lot of nervousness about how it's panning out? I think it's, it's almost like a two, there's two elements to that question in the sense of the nervousness is around the lack of goals. Obviously, you know, Everton like heavily on Dominic Calvert-Lewin. It was, it was criminal that they, they never brought in a forward during the January transfer window because like we've seen over the last you know, 18 months, it's, it's a lot to rely on Dominic Calvert-Lewin playing on a regular basis. Obviously, he's injured now and no one can know when he's going to return. You know, the club of uh, and Dyche himself are extremely coy on whenever someone's going to expect to see him back. So the nervousness comes in the lack of goals because, you know, like we've seen this season, Everton just can't score goals. You know, I think they've scored two more than what I think they've scored two or more on two or three separate occasions of this, which, you know, it's not many. You know, Neil Moore played not the, the clinical finish that Everton needs in front of the ball right now. So the nervousness comes from that. I think that the hope and the belief comes from that Dyche is just simply a, a better manager than Frank Lampard. I think Frank Lampard was you know, a really nice bloke. He, he took to the club, he took to the fans, and they took to him. But ultimately, you know, the way he was setting the team up, the way the, the results of the performances, the way they were going, he was, you know, 
kind of hung out to dry a little bit and kind of was often one, one, often one found. So I think the, the belief is that Sean Dyche is a better manager and, and because of that, Everton have a better chance of staying up. And I think we saw that, you know, in flashes, you know, the Arsenal game, Dyche's first one, you know, Leeds United. And even on Saturday against Aston Villa, you know, they, although it would be, it was one of the better performances this season, as strange as that sounds. They look a lot more organised, a lot more compact. It's clearly work on certain things in training and they put emphasis on and basically whatever are quite stronger in terms of getting the best out of that. So I think the the belief and the hope coming from Dyke should be a better manager than Frank Lampard and the fact he's been in this situation before with Burnley and he's managed to keep Burnley up. Um but the nervousness and, and the fear is certainly around the lack of goals and the the, the reliance on Dominic Calvert-Lewin because last season when they were down there and they were struggling, they have a Charleston to fall back on who more often than not would either produce something out of nothing and create a goal or score a goal and he kind of you know helped drag Everton over the line. Now they don't have a player like that. You know, they, they only have Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Like I say, it remains to be seen when he will return. And with each passing week that he doesn't return, the, the nervousness and the fears grow a little bit deeper. So who are the threats then? Because you mentioned Mopay. I mean, Forrest tried to sign him. Uh, Anthony Gordon's gone. You've got Dwight McNeil. I guess there's Damari Gray always strikes me as a good player. But where are the goals going to come from? Well, this is the million dollar question because obviously... You know, it seems like Sean Dyche is, is, is going to stick with Neil Morpay despite not being prolific in front of goal. I think in the hope that, you know, if he gets one, he might then end up getting a, a run of maybe four or five before now in the end of the season. Dwight McDeal has had a bit of a rebirth since Sean Dyche come in. He initially someone who struggled under Frank Lampard and, and towards the end of Frank Lampard's tenure found himself you know, on, the, on the sidelines looking in. You know, he, he struggled to get any game towards a game time, even off the bench. And the Mario Gray has gone the opposite direction in the sense of, He's, he's found himself on the fringes since Sean Dyche come in, um, having been such a key player for Frank Lampard. Many Evertonians believe that Mario Gray should be given a shot in the team now because he is a player who can do something out of nothing. He's a little bit inconsistent. I think as, as all kind of wingers genuinely are, he, he can sometimes produce something out of nothing. But then obviously, like you can have frustration, frustration moments where quite things don't quite come off for him and nothing kind of works for him. But I think they are Everton's two biggest hopes now is, is Dwight McNeil and Damari Gray in somehow getting service to Neil Morpain, which he can't miss. But even on Saturday, I mean, you know, Everton missed two glorious chances, which which seems harder to miss. So I think that the big hope is the big hope for goals is Damari Gray, Dwight McNeil and Neil Morpain. But from whatever Tonians have seen so far this season and what they've seen under Sean Dyche, that looks like a big, big ask because quite simply they just don't have the firepower. I mean, you know, apart from them three lads, you, you look at it. Ellis Sims, who okay, you know, enjoyed a, a successful loan spell at the start of the season, but it's been found a little bit what money's been given a taste of the Premier League so far. You know, against Liverpool around Fields a few weeks ago, he, he was kind of found want a little bit. He, he looked like a bit overall by the occasion. And, and there's a belief by many Everton fans, which is, is, is the correct one, really, that he shouldn't even be back in the squad. He should still be someone's name that develop him. You know, the fact that he down to turn to him sums up the, the situation they find themselves in. So I think that the three players would be looking towards a Gray, McNeil and Mopay, but as to say from what we've seen so far, that looks a big, big ass moving moving forward. So do you think is it is it too early to say it's win or bust for Everton? Is a point still a decent result for them? Obviously a defeat's a bit of a disaster, but is it that that stage of the season where they feel they have to win the game? I don't think they'll feel like have to win the game. I think as a, as I said, as a, as a side and Sean Dyche will feel he won't have to win the game because there's a belief that there's enough games still left to go and there's a number of home games to go in which Everton you know, could and should pick points up in. 
But I think for the fans' perspective and giving them hope and a bit of belief, if Everton were to get beat on Sunday, it'll be an absolute hammer blow um, because it'll be, you know, they play Arsenal on Wednesday night. But the, the belief is that, you know, the games against like, Aston Villa and Forest are the ones that Everton need to pick points up in if they're going to stay up. So if they were to lose both of their games, that'll be a hammer blow. And I think, you know, for many people, it won't be a case of it's bust, but there'll be a belief that it could, could be a long way back for Everton in terms of their bid to, to survive. Um, but I think Sean Dyche feels that there's enough games to go even if they haven't waited to get these on Saturday, Sunday, that they can pull themselves out of it and, and, and get a run of form and, and get safe. And, you know, speaking to people at the club, the Sean Dyche has a belief that he's kept up a, a lot weaker squads than this one in, in the Premier League before. I think the problem is, I think some fans, although they kind of believed at the start, and now kind of maybe drifting away from that thought that they can't stay up. But I think Sunday's game will be pivotal in many people's thoughts of, how good of a chance Everton have got of, of preserving their top flight status? Because, like I say, I think if they can get a point, it'll be a, seen as a, a good point on the road and they can build in their home. But if they get beaten, the fact that, you know, it's back to back defeats in terms of teams who they believe they should be getting points off, it'll be seen as a hammer blow. And it, it almost then gives Forrest a little bit of momentum as well to get a little bit above them and move away. And Everton right now need to suck as many teams into the, the fight as they possibly can. Yeah, I mean, by the time people listen to this, Everton will have played Arsenal tonight as we recall this, which could change the picture. I mean, it'd be a great result for them if they get anything. Um, just lastly, before we let you go, Connor, James Garner, a big favourite at Forest, 18 months on loan. I think, well, we, Forest would have liked to have signed him, but he didn't pan out. He, he ended up at Goodison Park. I mean, uh, like we were saying before, you haven't seen much of him, but have you seen a player there when you when you have seen him on the pitch? He showed, he come on against Man United and, and showed classes you know, shines of, of something special and, and something different. Uh, he starts to ball for away in the League Cup and was probably the standout performer that night on a, a pretty dismal night for, for Frank Lampard and Everton as they were beaten 4-1. But he's probably the standout player. It's just been a simple case of injuries, I think, so far. You know, he's, he's struggled to nail down any sort of any sort of regular game time. He's been in on the team. Obviously, he, the injury he picked up against Bournemouth from that League Cup tie has meant he's been sidelined until now. He's a feature for the club from the 21s. There's a feeling that he, he could be close to a return and certainly getting back, back in the match day fold. Um, but the big thing for, for, for James Garner and Everton was, was how highly Frank Lampard talked about him. You know, he kind of was genuinely excited by the process and developed James Garner. I think there was a feeling amongst Everton that they'd almost managed a bit of a coup by bringing James Garner in in the summer for you know, £15 million he paid in the end. They seem, they, they seem to believe it was a bit of a coup that, you know, a young up-and-coming talent, someone who's been at Man United a long time, someone who's done well in the Championship at Forest, that they've managed to get themselves, someone who they see, you know, is the future and, and could play forever for a, in a number of, for a number of years to come. So the excitement around James Garner from you know, people who were in the club probably hasn't been matched by what we've seen so far, but I think that's what Everton fans are almost hanging on to in terms of James Garner is what... The, 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 the Frank, the way Frank Lampard spoke about him, James Tarkovsky spoke about him, Paul Clement, one of Frank Lampard's coaches, spoke really highly of him. And like I say, I'm speaking to people in, at the club, there's a feeling that was a massive kind of transfer coup for the, for the Blues when he got him in the summer. So I think Everton fans are holding on to that in the sense of what to expect from him. But I think from what we've seen so far, it's been very little. And, you know, you almost feel like he's become a little bit of a forgotten man in, in recent months because he's been out for so long. And, you know, you'll, you'll hope to maybe play his way into Sean Dyche's thinking sooner rather than later because Warrior Everton have got a lot a lot of plays in his midfield. There's five ahead of him at the minute, um, six if you include another youngster, Isaac Price. So there's competition for places there. So 
James Garner will probably have to do a lot against Sean Dyche's thinking. But as I say, from what we were, what's been said about him in the build-up to, you know, him, him, him being in a position he is now, it's one of excitement and, and one of kind of potential. But we're, we're yet to see that potential come to any sort of any sort of fruition. Uh, Connor, thank you very much. We'll let you go. Appreciate your insight. Uh, wish Everton well for the rest of the season, apart from Saturday. In fact, I don't know if I do wish them well. If, if they go down and it takes a couple of the, one of the slots, then that's fine by me, actually. But wish you well for the rest of the season. Cheers. Thanks so much for having me on. Cheers. Thanks very much. You too. Bye. Right. Temps. From what you've heard there, does it change your feelings at all? I mean, you know, Everton are a club in still in crisis in a lot of ways, aren't they, when it comes to goal scoring and things like that? Yeah, that's the big takeaway from me. You can hear the concern there as, as Connor talks through the options. They've got no great faith in any of the lads that are charged with scoring goals for them. Having watched uh, Neil Mope, I think, I think we dodged a bullet there. There was strong rumour that we won the clubs in for him. Um, he's He's been going to pieces. He just doesn't seem to have that poise around the goal that he had when they and us were, were scouting him. So, hope he plays. Not too concerned there. Top scorer is Damari Gray, who scored 3-10, and 10, but 5-50 and 50 before that. Um, he has a lot of pace. I think we're, we're all still scarred by the goal he scored against Forrest in that one-all when we'd worked so hard to get ourselves into a winning position. And then long ball over the centre-halves and in he slips to, 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 to finish well for, for one-all. So, that result still haunts me a little bit, and I think several Forest fans will, will feel the same. We owe them one for that, and I just hope that, well, I know that Steve Cooper um, will be preparing us in a positive frame of mind. This isn't a game that we're going to expecting, hoping to avoid defeat. We, we've got to go for the juggler here. Beat these guys, deny them three points, get three points for ourselves. And I'll say this again, as I said about the Leeds game, if we do that, I can't see Everton catching us. I suppose the Sean Dice factors are—it's a weird yeah, one, isn't it? Because he's watched—I mean, he's watched Forest almost as much as any of us, almost mm. as much as Steve Cooper. There's no other manager in the Premier League who knows as much about Forest. He's a bit—he was in the director's box so much while he was out of work. To what degree does that worry you? Yeah, Dice gets more hospitality than me, doesn't he? Before you get <laughs> before you get that one in. But yeah, seeing him and Woney and Stoney at his, at his side as well. Um, I respect him as a manager. I think he's very effective. Um, it's not necessarily pretty football, but it's it's um, unfair to say that um, Sean Dyche is a hoof it merchant because he's not. There's a method to what he does. There's a, 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 a means of getting his point across the players and, and plugging in the right personnel. And the challenge he's got now is he hasn't had the opportunity to um, assemble a typical Sean Dyche squad. So he finds it, I think his immediate mission is to get a tune out of players that have been underperforming. And all the names that Connor mentioned there, if they were being honest and looking at themselves, would consider themselves to be Premier League, mid, uh, mid-table Premier League players who aren't hitting that, those levels at this, this moment in time. So as we saw with the Arsenal game, Everton are capable of causing an upset, getting points on the day. Sean Dyche is a far better football manager than um, Frank Lampard. He's um, going to uh, make them more resilient and stronger than they would have been if they hadn't have made that change. And yeah, he's watched a shed load of, of Forest this year. 
But I think I think we're a pretty hard team to scout because you're never quite sure if we're going to turn up and play like we did against Man City or turn up and play like we did against West Ham. And our home form has been so markedly different from how we've been on the road. So Forrest are narrow favourites with the bookies for a reason. And this would be a massive game to win. And I hope hope Daishi doesn't undermine our plan. Uh, have you done an 11? We can pick up some names from it. Yeah, I, I, I don't see changes. Um, I think if you look at the the available midfielders, he he used Lingard, um, Mangala and Danilo are there as well. He seems to fancy Andre Ayew ahead of Sam Surridge, but I, I don't see how anybody forces their way into the 11. So fitness issues aside, because I know Lodi's seen as a, a slight doubt, you've got to expect... Navas behind Williams, Worrell, Felipe, Lodi, Colback, Freuler, Shelby, Gibbs, White, Wood and Johnson. So I was going through it from back to front and picking a few out there. I suppose Williams and Worrell had a tricky time at West Ham in the last 20 minutes. Williams, he's learning the game still and it's difficult. You know, if you're Brennan Johnson learning the game and you make mistakes and play poorly and Forrest don't score a goal, it's a bit different to if you make a gaffe at right back and you end up conceding two goals down your side or maybe even three, I think it was, at the London Stadium. So there's a, there's an emphasis on Nico Williams to put in, I said on Monday, a 90-minute performance, not a 70-minute performance. Are you worried about him? And Joe needs to show that Man City performance again, doesn't he? I like Nico on the ball and going forward. And Darren made this point a few weeks ago. He was signed as a right wing back when we thought we were going to play three at the back. And he, he now finds himself having to play as, a, as an orthodox right back, which isn't perfect for him. And the way I would coach him is to say, you've got to defend first. Of course, we want that energy and those overlaps when they're on. We need to feed Brennan Johnson. But your job, first and foremost, is to be part of a back four that don't concede. And I think that means um, changing his blend a little bit, asking him to take less attacking responsibility and to hold his position a bit more, uh, work out if they are going to try and bomb Waza with with balls in behind, get that double cover there. Because Williams isn't a slouch. If his starting position is is fine, then we, we shouldn't fear the ball in behind. However, if he goes wandering, um, in the same way that Bernardo Silva did, by the way, when when we scored, then that's that's where structure can fall apart and any team in the Premier League can can pick you off. So um, yeah, I've got a slight concern there, but I, I think that it can be overcome by the brief that Steve Cooper gives to Nico Williams. He's just got to take it on board and defend first. Of mm. course, you want to see that ball carrying. Of course, you want to see his passing ability. But I think more than anything else, we want him to be part of a back four that keeps a clean sheet. Yeah, I think we're going to see that ball. Was it Spurs who tried it or someone Leeds who tried it? Between right back and centre back, and Mope, he's quite nippy. We know he's, like we said, he struggles to finish, but his movement's good and he's quite an agitator. And I think we'll see Everton play that ball between in behind Worrell, who's not the quickest, as we know. But Aurier mopped that up, didn't he? In that, in that game, they mm. had is it Nonto was, was wide left. He was chalk on his boots all game. And they constantly look for that ball. Aurier's so good in the air for a fella of what five eight five nine. It was it was easily dealt with, and we were almost happy to tempt it. But yeah, if you were them looking away to get at us, that would be a, a, a potential means. And I, I just hope that the, the brief is given and received because 
we we can frustrate Everton. They're they're still bereft of confidence. They're still feeling um, bad for themselves because of the position they find themselves in. We've got points on the board, therefore we're in the driving seat, and we could kill their mood with a result on the uh, on Sunday. Yeah, there was another team who tried it as well. It might have been Chelsea, even I'm not sure. Um, in midfield, uh, I think we agreed on Shelby and Froiler. Would you be tempted, or do you think Cooper would be tempted to change Colback for a Mangala or possibly a Danilo who can move the ball and retain the ball a bit more? Because that's been a failing, I think. Yeah, I, I would. So that that's the team I think Cooper's going to going to pick because Colback's done a little little wrong. Mangala for me gives you a, a bit more in transition, passes the ball forward. Um, maybe he's thinking with, with Shelby able to to do that from deep because Shelby's a very deep lying playmaker, isn't he? As I mentioned, the, the Ben Watson comparison before goes to collect the ball, you know, from a ten yard pass from the from the back four, has a couple of touches, looks to ping it or change the point of attack. He's not making these um, surging runs or threading balls from the from the number ten spot. So. I think against Everton, you can afford to take more of a risk, take a bit of structure out of there in Colback, add a bit more dynamism in. Mangala, for me, would get, would get the shout narrowly over, over Danilo in, in this one. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the hardest part of the team to call. And I wouldn't be disappointed or surprised to see Mangala start on Sunday. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I suppose Ryan Yates is a possible factor, but I don't think you throw him in, even if he's deemed fit. I think that's too much to start. No, no start. I think it'd be nice to have him on the bench and even not used off the bench, just be there maybe five minutes to see out some headers or something and then look to him in the coming weeks. I would like Mangala of the three. I think I've said this before. My slight gripe with Mangala is I think he just gives the ball away cheaply when he's done something great. And if he eradicates that from his game, I think he's going to be a top player. I think we'll see that next season once he's settled. I love Jack Colback, but him and Freuler, maybe they're a bit too similar. I'm not sure uh, how it how it would pan out, but I think Forest need more dynamism in midfield. So I'd probably like to see uh, Mangala. And then Danilo feels like this kind of, projects that's more next season even though we've seen bright signs from him. he's a real talent obviously but even against man city it passed him by a little bit i felt well Freuler didn't have his best game at the weekend but I, I think we all see that he's untouchable is the wrong word but he's highly regarded in, in cooper's thinking and he's he's forgiven for these six out of ten games because he is so structured gets everywhere but seems to hold his ground knows when to commit a foul, knows how to marshal the troops. So, you know, I, I, I still want to see more from him. Mm. I know there's, I know, you know, Twitter might came me a bit for not, for not seeing the genius of, of Freuler. I know there's, I know he's a good player and I do appreciate what he does. I just think he, he could do that a little bit more, particularly against teams where we're on the front foot, can take more risk and have more of the ball, can build in a more, um, structured sense and don't have to rely on sitting deep and counter-attacking with, with 30% possession because there's no reason why we, we shouldn't see far more of the ball in this game. I was just looking at the possession stat in the game where Everton beat Arsenal. They had 29% of the ball in that game and and snuck out 1-0 with that that goal from the from the cross that we've all that we've all seen. So yeah that, that midfield blend's important and callback might be at risk. Mm. 
I mean, Forest had 51% possession at West Ham. My gripe was what they did with it. They lost it in bad areas. Then they passed it around in the back. And I said my piece on Freuler on Monday, like kind of like you. I think he's a good, solid signing, but you want to see a bit more from him, especially in, in games like this at home. Like I, I always like winning the battle in midfield. And I don't mean like getting yellow cards, but like against Chelsea, where they just got in Mount and Zachariah's face and made it really hard for Chelsea. And I think it's going to be that kind of game. Um, looking up front, I mean, Chris Wood is kind of the interesting factor. Like, because since he's come into the team, I think Morgan Gibbs White's been less effective. I don't think we've been able to get Morgan on the kind of the half turn on the counter attack in quick transitions. I'm not sure if that's Chris Wood's fault. Um, but do you play Chris Wood and shift Morgan a bit out to the left? I quite like to see Jesse Lingard play in this because Everton are kind of they've got Tarkovsky and Cody who aren't the most mobile. Seamus Coleman's 34 and not the most mobile on that flank maybe it's a Lingard game what, what do you think about the attack I think Chris Wood plays on Sunday but I'm still not sold hmm. so we like what we saw against Man City in a very short cameo when he found his position at the back stick and finished off a very good move he let his intent be known when he came in and won that first header whilst flooring his man outside of, of that spell we have seen nothing like the best of Chris Wood. He hasn't shown that he's acclimatised to our system and we haven't shown that we've adapted our system to get the best out of him. I like that to an opposing manager who knows Chris Wood and his game inside out and I think they'll just put their best ball winner on him, make sure that he's under pressure from every set piece of goal kick uh, and try and nullify his threat. I think that he deserves um, ongoing backing because we know what he can become. But there's only so many times that we can put him in this side and expect impact, assists and goals without changing the way that we, that we play. And the last thing we want to do, to your point, is impact on Morgan Gibbs-White, who's going to be the heartbeat of this team for a, for a long time to, to come. I don't see Lingard starting. He got minutes from the bench at the weekend, didn't he? So he might be one of the first changes. I'm unconvinced that Ayu is the answer. I'd personally like to see Surridge get get more minutes um, ahead of him. Um, but I, I, I do think Wood will start because there's there's clearly a, a goal scorer um, in there. And if he, if he can add to that the physicality, the kind of you know bruising intent that we saw when he was at Everton when he's trying to disrupt centre halves. I think he can be a, a bit of a bit of a weapon. But yeah, I've I, I still haven't seen anything outside of that Man City goal that's convinced me that he's worth 15 million quid. I'd love to be proved wrong. The other thing is with like like you say, they're gonna put their best marker on him and that's gonna be Tarkovsky, who's gonna know Chris Wood's game inside out from Burnley. And if you're Tarkovsky, would you want to have that battle with Wood, or would you be more troubled by a Scarper who you've no idea what he's going to bring, Lingard who's mobile, Ayu? I don't know about Ayu yet. I'm not seeing enough of him. I thought he was bright against Man City, and then you know we haven't seen too much from him. But Cooper obviously knows him well, and I still would like to see Sam Surridge play more. And I think he could ruffle a few feathers playing as the left of that three. I mean. 
Go on, I, I would not start wood. I'm feeling it's more of a case not to start wood the more we're talking about it. But what's the percentage option? So all these all these theories we've all got of who brings what and what might work and and, and what might what might not. The percentage option is still starting Chris Wood. Mm. For everything I've said about us not yet seeing the real Chris Wood, you know this this might be the start of the, at the weekend. He he could just as easily score two goals as none. We could just as easily start um, pumping crosses in from a bit deeper, getting getting third man runners off Chris Wood off from the from the goal kicks. He might just find that rediscover that dominance, and he knows Tarkovsky's game as much as Tarkovsky knows knows his. So it's all mm. it's all theoretical, and you know it's it's pub chat, isn't it? But I I, I think the the percentage decision, the high percentage decision, is to is to start Chris Wood. Uh, I asked Connor, is it win or bust or don't lose? What do you think it is for Forrest? It's definitely don't lose, but no, we, we've got to go in positively. You know, I'm not going to repeat what I said before the Southampton game about um, our, our mindset, but that's how I feel. We, we've got to have some confidence. Arrogance is the wrong word, but there's got to be a level of expectation at home against a team that's beneath us that we're favourites for a reason, that the form is deserved, that our league position is deserved, that we should be beating Everton. And there's there's not too many sets of supporters you speak to that, um, yeah, defeatist might be the right word. They, they, they've got a million reasons why they feel their team isn't winning at the minute. And the main one being that lack of any kind of potent attacking threat that they can agree on and, and get behind. So I think there are more goals in us at home than there are in Everton away. I think that the central midfield three, whoever they are, can cope with Everton's midfield. You've mentioned one or two players there who are at the the wrong end of their career and potentially don't want to be facing up against Brennan Johnson and and Morgan Gibbs-White for the the pace and skill that that, that they they bring. So the right result for me is is a Forest win. I don't think we lose too much with a draw defeat could be really damaging both psychologically and for what it does to our relative league position. Defeat would mean to me that you're going to have to get at least one away win, maybe two, or you're going to have to beat Arsenal or Man U or Newcastle at home. It transfers the pressure and it certainly cranks it up. But then you look at the teams below Forest. I mean, you'd much rather be in Forest position than, you know, obviously any team below them. But especially, like, I was looking at the fixtures this morning. We were in WhatsApp and I was very generous with my predictions. And still, Bournemouth, Southampton, Everton and Leeds and get anywhere near 40 points. And Forest only need 15 more points. And only is a big, very, it's a very big if, if they can get, you know, four more wins or three more wins and some draws. But I think Forest are still in a good position and I'm not panicked yet. And if they do lose the game, it just kind of... We've been out of the bottom three for long enough that we felt comfortable and it cranks up the, the kind of the fear uh, that, that all the fans have of going back down after one season. But you're doing, think... you're, Hang on a minute here. You're doing your own research down. You've predicted the outcome of every Premier League game between now and the end of the season. So go on, Rain, <laughs> go on, Rain man. Tell, it, tell us how it all finishes. Uh, not quite, because it was a back of the fag packet stuff. But I, I think I had... Southampton on 32 points with a decent run-in. Everton on 34 with a decent run-in. I had Bournemouth on 38 with a very... Which is ridiculous, by the way. 
Bournemouth I know, do not I get, get anywhere near 38 points. No, no, I agree. Uh, I was really generous to them. I think I had Leeds on 36, and that was with them taking, what would that be, 14 more points. I didn't do Wolves because I think Wolves will be all right, but I think Forest is still in a good position. Obviously, the away form is alarming, and it's very frustrating when they perform like they did in the last 20 minutes. But like I said on Monday, they don't need to win seven or eight more games. They don't need to win three away games. They need to win four more games. And I don't think it's time for panic yet. If we're sat here on Monday, as we will be, you'll be with us and hopefully Gary as well. If Forrest lose the game, then it's going to be a tense conversation and we're going to be a bit twitchy. But let's see how it goes, certainly. Yeah, I, I don't I don't see us losing the game. I think there's there's too much on it. And how many times this season have we rose to the occasion at home mm. and found the opposition off colour because of the intensity of the atmosphere, the um, steadfast support behind the team, even in the event of early setbacks, and then ultimately events on the pitch, which have just been a, a, a joy to joy to see over the last last few months. So, you know, I, I think we win this game, and if if we don't, you'll remind me of this moment when we're sitting with um, with with Gary Bertles on on Monday. But Everton are in a far worse position than we are. They're not used to being here. They don't expect to be here. They're about to build potentially the best stadium in the championship. We are punching above our weight. Yes, we've had a setback against West Ham. But that's all it is. It's one away game written off ahead of a home game against one of our relegation rivals. If we win this game, they're not catching us. There's, there's that much on the line. I think the boys are going to be up for it and we can we can see them off. It may be a one niller, we can see them off. It's going to be a one niller. It's not unless <laughs> the Park Mark Leicester game, it's always a one niller. But hopefully you're right. I do feel confident and this might come back to bite us on the arse. But if Forest draw, then that's not a bad result. And if they lose, then you kind of you know you have to front up to the challenge, don't you? And it does crank the pressure up. But this is where their metal's going to be tested if they do lose. That's a conversation for another day, and that other day is Monday. So Temps, thank you very much. Cheers, Matt. Was I um, was I like a walking LinkedIn post today? <laughs> was I yeah, like the, a vicar? Yeah. You're always like a village vicar, mate. What's that mean? What's a village vicar? I think he means you just like that, you know, that 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 kind of um, friendly everyman that you can confess all your sins to. So if you find if you find don't people, start, knock, I don't want to hear people's door, confessions. Five people knocking on your door asking for advice. You're just gonna, you know, gonna have to learn some psalms, I think, and be able to point <laughs> them to particular corners of the uh, of the Old Testament. But I, I think it was, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed reading that. I think it was uh, a, a really really good bit of uh, penmanship from one of your listeners. Yes, I've not been in church since I was in school, so I'd have to very much brush up. Um, yeah, that's in reference to an iTunes, a five star iTunes review, which is very much appreciated. So. Please send us some more of those, as long as they've got five stars in them, and I'll check if we've had any more, actually. But uh, Feel free much. to rip us apart brutally in the direct personal attacks as well. We quite enjoy that. <laughs> Don't start. People will certainly uh, take up that uh, mantle, yes. Uh, yeah, if you liked it, do subscribe uh, on YouTube. Give us good reviews. Spread the word, etc., etc. And in the meantime, we shall see you on Monday.